Hello, my name is Michael, and you're listening to Forever Sound Version, a video game music podcast. Hello again, dear friends, and thank you for listening to episode 10. That's a landmark, episode you've 10. Made, you've made 10. We've done it. Well, Double you've digits. done it. Well, mostly me, yeah. Christ. <laughs> thank you very much for listening. My name is Michael, and as you've already gathered, I have I have company in the house today. Certainly. Guess what? His name is also Michael. Yeah. Michael it's... Thorne. Thank you for being here, Michael. No problem, man. Pleasure's all mine. Um, yeah. Two Michaels at once. It's going to be mm. a little bit of, well, you know, it's going to be a lot. A lot of th- calling each other Michael. Yeah. And, uh, I think we, do you call Thorn? Thorn. Thorn. All right. Here's, we can differentiate that way. Thorn is in the house. Yes. Great. So that piece of music that was from a Nintendo 64 game called Mario Kart 64. I've I've actually never heard of it. Can no. you uh Okay. Elaborate uh, a little you, bit. You drive a you drive a go-kart right. on a track. Okay. Very fast. Uh sometimes you're in space, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, on Rainbow Road, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's uh, considered a classic, isn't it? Yeah. Mario. Mario now, Super, Super Mario. Super Yeah. How is he Super Superb Mario? It's all Superb Mario. Yeah, 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 oh, okay, yeah, yeah. now I know. Oh, now he's, now a, I know. he's a plumber that can drive go-karts. Of course. Do all manner, yeah, that's, do all manner of I mean, heroic that's just things. Normal plumber stuff, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So this this whole episode's gonna be on the Nintendo 64. Yeah. Uh, and is it reasonable enough for me to suggest that it's a console close to your heart? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean I had the N64 before I had a PlayStation, so Ooh. I'm kind of in that camp. Okay. Not I would not to say that I, I don't like PlayStation, but mm-hmm. the N64 will always be near and dear to my heart. The N64, this is a system that, like many systems I cover on this show, I didn't actually own myself. No? But when you have friends who have said systems, it's yeah. easy enough to go over and play on them. So I do have, I think, a significant degree of familiarity with the system and well for the generation it found itself bracketed in it was the one that stuck out like a sore thumb Mm -hmm. seeing as though mm, indeed yes uh, cartridges for one Mm -hmm. Nintendo sticking to their guns famously where the likes of uh, Sony the the new kid on the block as it were Mm -hmm. and Sega the relatively old kid on the block both opted for a CD as their means of storage yeah Uh, Maybe, maybe gunning for some kind of more adult, adult odd market, perhaps, or as cartridges. Yeah, yeah. I mean, classic video game stuff. Um, the issue with that was um, the high price of uh, Nintendo games at that time really hurt the system, especially in America. You'd find games that were um, definitely higher price than others, mm-hmm. um, especially on the market. Um, up to seventy dollars at a time, which was incredible. That's crazy money. Yeah, yeah, that is insane. Um, one of the best things about it, though, 
was you'd find that a lot of the N64 games, although not as um, pleasant to look at as the PlayStation, I, I, you know, that's a, that's a very debatable thing. Depends on what you like, yeah. Yeah, um, definitely, like, ran better and loaded mm. faster. Yes, uh, a lot down to the cartridge format itself, yeah. right? Just, just completely compatible with Nintendo's uh, lineage of instant gratification. Absolutely. You have you have a game, you bang it in, it works mm-hmm. straight off the bat. Mm-hmm. You're not waiting around. Unless you you want to blow on it a bit. Oh, it blow on the cartridge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can have a good blow if you like. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that that was a striking thing for mm-hmm. me. Uh, those were big blocky things. I've got some notes on my idiot sheet here, and oh, maybe it's, both got notes on we, my idiot sheet. We have, yes. Maybe it's a little condescending for me to put it like this, but I've got. It was almost like toy-like in its build, and, no, and just the way you yeah. jam the cartridge in. Big old fairly, chunky thing. Very rugged for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And another thing about the N64 is Nintendo tended to develop their own games for their own system. They didn't yeah, have quite definitely. as much in the way of third party. No, not when the N64 came around. Um, it was a bit of a, a a dry spot that would continue on through the GameCube, mm-hmm. through the Wii, through the Wii U, and hopefully with Switch coming out, we'll see yeah. a lot more third-party support. Indeed. Why do you think that is? I mean, is it some kind of paranoid quality control measure where, hey, if we make the games, we, you know, we've only got ourselves to blame if they're not very good? Or... I, think, I think that's a part of it, but I also think that at the time... Nintendo, um, they wanted to get a console out there that co- cost a lot less okay. than the um, the Sony PlayStation, um, which was its main competitor at the time. Mm. Um, you're looking at uh, a cheaper console but higher prices for the games. Okay. Whereas Sony, their games came out on you know a CD-ROM, well, well the proprietary CD-ROM, and cost a lot less. Very but cheap to manufacture. Right? The system itself was quite expensive. Okay. So there was this: Do you want to put your money ahead of that, get a PlayStation, mm-hmm. and then have slightly cheaper games, or do you mm-hmm. want to get a N64, have that, but pay a little bit more for the games? Right, right. And I suppose maybe you would be expected to not buy quite as many games for the N64, just just on the basis of like quality over quantity, perhaps. Absolutely. Uh, that That's what I had... Well, my philosophy is I was around 9 or 10 when this thing came out. Okay. So uh, I didn't have any disposable income, surprisingly. No. I wasn't down the coal mines. So <laughs> uh, I could only get the games that I got for birthdays, Christmas, etc., etc. Like, very little pocket money, whatever. Mm-hmm. But... When you get a game, you had to invest in it. You had to know that it was good. But there was also rentals, right? as, yeah, as yeah. with every other console. So of course. I got to experience a wide variety of games, but the ones that I got, I needed to know they were good. There was a few, a little bit iffy, Bomberman 64. I love that game, but I love it for the wrong reasons. Oh, why, why do you like that one? Because I had to play it, because I got it for Christmas. Ah, that's, that's how it was back in the yeah, day, though. absolutely. It was like you had to get a game and... And if it wasn't very good, tough, you had to just learn to love it, right? Yes, absolutely. I don't think we really have that anymore. I played that game. <laughs> I learned to love it. It's, it's I will fantastic. love this game. Yes. Just willing yourself to think that it's great. It was, it was, <laughs> it was bad. Well, we're going to be uh, observing a, a, a bunch of different releases on this show. Some of them are cast iron absolute classics, yeah, um, like Mario 64. And, Sorry, Mario Kart 64. Yeah, um, and we've omitted quite a lot, I would say, um, from sure. what you would expect. Just personal favourites, really, I would yeah, say. Yeah, that suits me. So that first tune, that was composed by Kenta Nagata. That was the Rainbow Road theme. Yeah from Mario Kart 64. Now, he's he's still at Nintendo working on music and sound. He's mm-hmm. been there since 96. And as it goes, Mario Kart 64, from what I can tell, is his first composition mm-hmm. uh, production credit. So it's kind of nice nice to hear like a much-loved soundtrack, such as this one being the, uh, the thing that got him out of the gate. And he's still there now. He's still plugging away at games. It's kind, mean- of, kind of a nice story. That's Japan for you. I mean, you, you're there for life if you've got a, if <laughs> okay. you've got a talent. You just you're there, and you know people appreciate it. I mean, he's, he's uh, Japanese developers, so so well loved, right? And uh, musicians also the same. Sure. So 
let's let's truck on yeah uh, so if you've heard this podcast before you know I, I do have this tendency to juxtapose the classics with some more obscure ones yeah often games I haven't actually played before but, I, I you would know. say the stuff that you've got on here I don't think a lot of people would be expecting Ooh, that, that's good though isn't it yeah it's, it's kind of <laughs> exciting in a way I guess Rainbow Road's not a big surprise but the next one for instance yeah Top Gear Rally yeah, Top Gear no Rally. experience with this game whatsoever. 1997, composed by Barry Leach, who's a Scottish composer of nice. some considerable renown. He's yeah. a, a very, a very well-known and very well-liked composer, uh, a VGM legend to many, working across several platforms, including Spectrum, C64, Amiga, Mega Drive, SNES. He's 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 old school. He's been around the block a few times. Yeah, yeah. but this is uh, some music he did for the N64. Now. Some uh, I, I can call them podcast friends now. I think there's a the Pixelated Audio VGM podcast has actually uh, they've had him on their show before. Really, they have yes, uh, and he had some really interesting insights into how to work as a video game music composer. So cool. If you're if you're a Barry Leach head, then I wholeheartedly recommend <laughs> you get onto uh, Pixelated Audio. They're good fellas. Awesome. Um, this piece. Uh, takes the form of an XM file, which is a, a tracker music file. So um, he's kind of keeping it pretty old school, like he's perhaps bringing his chops from doing chip music on those older systems we mentioned to the to the N sixty four, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, let's have it. Let's have it. We're, we're going to hear. Go on, crack it on. We're going to hear "Mountain" from Top Gear Rally, composed by Barry Leach.
That was Mountain from Top Gear Rally, composed by Barry Leach on the N64, the Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was pretty banging, actually. That was a proper tune. Really banging tune right there. Um, so, yeah, an XM file, tracker music from the same kind of lineage as uh, Amiga music and uh, subsequent demo scene sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, the predominant thing we're getting is, is a is 90s rave. Really. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind mm. when first uh, listening to that tune is you're going to have a fun time. Yeah, sure. Yeah. To be honest, not really getting any mountain vibes from it. No. But I don't think it was that kind of game. Hmm. Or that, that, that time of place. It wants to be to, a pretty ravey mountain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, you could imagine it like as a little bit of like a sports event type thing. Yeah, okay. It's got that generic yeah. sort of uh, action time kind of yeah. feel to it. Yeah. And with that um, really gritty... Uh, like down-tuned guitar sting yeah, going on. Yeah, very, very dirty. Driving music, but not necessarily yeah. mountain-driving music. No, no. Yeah. You just choose pieces of music, and you make good music that gets you hyped, mm-hmm. gets you, you know, ready for going on, oh. the, on the track. And It's hype, all right, yeah. yeah. And I, I guess we've uh, absent-mindedly, it's, this is my fault, absent-mindedly led the show with two two racing tunes. And, I suppose uh, couldn't I didn't be, even think of that. Couldn't be much more different. One's kind of dreamy and fantastical. I mean, you're in space for one, right? I mean, space and mountains, different quite worlds. different. Different. But worlds. I mean, Mars has mountains, so. Oh yeah, got, yeah. You got me there. But there's no, there's no plumbers on Mars, so. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. All right then, our next track. It is something that you know more about than me, I think. Well. Everyone knows Super Mario 64. <laughs> it's a classic. I hope. Um, it's a classic. Funnily enough, that I, I didn't know this, um, Super Mario 64 launched a year with the um, N64. Mm-hmm. You launched a year later than in Japan. Oh, right. So I wasn't aware of that information at the time. It was just like, oh, I'm a small child. Here's the new console. Mm-hmm. Yay, Mario. You get to see things in in uh, lots of magazines and stuff like that. But. Sure. Yeah. Uh, launched aside with uh, Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey. So never heard of that one. No, Wayne Wayne Gretzky, Canadian, Me. did a bit of hockey. Right. Did a did a bit of. <laughs> yeah. Was, he's a bit of a dab hand at that hockey yeah, business. Yeah, he's he's a good lad. Um, yeah. Um, and this track I've chosen. Um, it's from the level uh, Die Die Docks, which mm. is the ninth course in Super Mario 64. Um, and that's a bit of a watery level, right? Yes, from absolutely. What I, from what I remember. Similar stage to any other Mario stage, six stars, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, many of the stages, are just regular Mario stuff for the time. Mm. We were talking about this before. It's regular Mario stuff, but fleshed out to be in three dimensions. Yeah, we were, ta- we're talking about this yeah. before. Um, like that game was groundbreaking when it came out, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's a lot easier now. Yeah, it's it's. I guess um, a lot of it was down to people having to get used to the the controls. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the D uh, the D stick was um, groundbreaking at the time, and even though the um, Sony came in afterwards, and as they usually do, kind of make things a lot <laughs> better with the Dual Shock, whatever. Right. But um, yeah, and sixty four drew the first blood on that one, though. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, a lot of these areas, you get to do Mario stuff, which includes, you know, on this level specifically, getting on Bowser's submarine, um, using the metal hat to navigate, like, strong water currents, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And you creepily follow a manta ray and then get a star out of it. Huh. So that's fun. Yeah, well, it's about as fantastical as you might expect from a, a Super Mario, Mario title, yeah, and a, I mean, a flagship title. Always that. going after the princess. Why not, Mandarin? Well, hey, why not? Yeah, I, I don't mind it. So this is a—they really did bring out the big guns in every respect well, for this absolutely. title. They I mean, got, it's, uh, it, they've got a great blueprint to mm-hmm. start off with. But I mean, this was uh, uh, Koji Kondo. That's him. The, the maestro. Just absolute. He's Nintendo all over. Mr. As far as Mr. Mr. Nintendo. Yeah. To the music. Yeah. Mario, Zelda, Star Fox, everything like that. Indeed. He's just he's he's a beautiful man. Just perfect composition. We had to stick this one in. Yes. We we absolutely had to, and it's uh, I don't know. It's a beautiful thing. He's uh he's been for Nintendo since 1983. That is I crazy. understand a very very long time. Yes. And, and this is possibly among his 
best moments, perhaps? Personally, yeah. I would say yes. Um, he's got a lot of Zelda stuff that I really respect, like everyone else will. But, you know, the Mario stuff's continue to be great, mm-hmm. even if you're not a fan of the Waz. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. It's an acquired taste. Absolutely. But um, the, the, one of the most interesting things about this piece is it dynamically changes based on whether you're in the water or on land. All right, yeah. So what you'll hear during this um, tune is uh, it'll start off quite mellow, quite, um, you know, a very relaxed, watery type Mm -hmm. of composition. And then it'll get this, like, drum and bass kind of... That's right. Like breakbeat kind of thing behind mm. it, and that's when you're actually on land. Uh-huh. So that that's pretty incredible. And I only, I, yeah. I only actually learned that today. It's entirely compatible with the environments you're in. You know, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. a feeling of weightlessness and and like kind of serenity. And then you get on land, you're a bit more, a bit more Active. grounded. Yeah, and yeah. you can move around a bit quicker. So uh-huh. absolutely, very smart indeed. But like all water levels, it kind of sucks. Water levels aren't the most popular, right? No. <laughs> and. We'll get to that a little bit later. Okay. I've noticed a trend in what I picked for tonight. But oh, okay, okay. I look forward to hearing about yeah. this. Well, let's get into this. Let's have it. Let's go to Dia Dia Docks, Super Mario 64, composed by Koji Kondo. Stars Dia Dia Docks from Super Mario 64, released in '96 on the Nintendo 64, and that's that's still a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a wonderful, that's wonderful still tune. Hits the spot, doesn't it? It's so relaxing. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I think that was our uh, we both we were planning this episode. Mm. What tracks to feature? We both went Dia Dia Docks. I think it was like going on. perfectly just around that tune. It was 
magical almost the fact that like we both had an appreciation for that track because sure. that game has so many amazing tunes i mean the first level the bomber battlefield or whatever it's called that tune is fantastic as well like consistent throughout mm-hmm. it's wonderful but that it just so many memories flood back sure it's wonderful i think it's aged all right i mean i've played um i've played the 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 old DS port of it since yeah. the N64 and uh, I've gone back to the N64 one as well mm-hmm. and it's you know it's 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 an alright it's a canny little game uh, for the yeah. time we've, we've said for the time it was groundbreaking yeah, it, it holds up you, you get the prevailing impression that Nintendo knew they had to make it count like they knocked it out the park well they had to and they, yeah. they, they did it thankfully so they proved to the world that 3D is the next a, best thing it's a goer yeah so let's get into the sound capabilities of the N64. I've got a couple of notes about this. Unlike a lot of earlier uh, home computer and video game consoles, the Nintendo 64 didn't actually have a designated, dedicated sound chip. So where the Mega Drive had the YM2612 and the SNES had its uh, sample-based uh, Sony sound hardware, the N64 didn't have anything like that. It, it, instead, it, uh, it produced sound by uh, by way of its uh, reality core processor, which was what handled a lot of the graphics in N64 games, and also the system's actual CPU itself. So the sound end of things on the N64 is actually a kind of a strain on the system's performance, which might suggest that sound was something of an afterthought, perhaps, to Nintendo compared to graphics. This is the mid to late 90s, remember, so the measure of a game's quality or a system's quality was typically how good are the graphics i remember that pretty well yeah so they didn't really plow too much into the sound hardware but that said uh the sound capabilities are quite broad actually they can the the n64 can pull off a number of different kinds of things sonically so game music on the n64 can comprise a sort of upgraded take on the sample based chip music that snares was capable of producing and it could also produce uh, like studio produced pieces of music at a CD quality Redbook audio in the same way that the Sony PlayStation and the Sega Saturn managed it. Of course, since Nintendo decided to stick with cartridges, the space for these uh, lengthier studio-produced tracks was somewhat relatively limited, so uh, just as a result of them not having the CD sort of space storage on the medium. So a lot of the, a lot of the music we're hearing now isn't uh, isn't CD quality Redbook audio. It, it, it does have more in common with earlier, let's call it classic vintage VGM, something yeah. like that. What I would say is, um, with a lot of Nintendo, like even like moving past this and the GameCube into the Wii, Wii U, and we'll see about the Switch, I don't doubt that, but um, <laughs> of course. Nintendo tend to do a lot with what they have, and they tend to have a lot less than other um, people like Sony mm-hmm. and Xbox and stuff like that so I, I think this really N64 music really does shine um, they were doing quite a lot with essentially very little compared to what Sony was doing with at the time um, I mean even Sega had the Sega CD and uh, the Saturn and mm-hmm. they, they were doing a lot more because they had a lot more to work with Sure, but I mean you look at this music and it's incredible what they pulled yeah, off. Yeah, they still and, managed some good compositions. And yeah. it still sounds good today. So, some of it, not so much. <laughs> like, you go and listen to a lot of other games, and it's it's like, eh, okay, you try. Hit and miss, yeah. But we've picked some winners here. I think we have, yeah. yeah. And you know, for what it's worth, Nintendo 64 music can be pretty distinctive. Like, oh, yeah. In the same way that SNES music was. You can hear something like Dia Dia Docks, which we've just played, and that... It screams N64. It, it sounds yeah. like a Nintendo game. It, l- it looks in my mind like an N64. Right, exactly, yeah. It's, you can see the waveforms just creating an N64. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful. Magnificent. So, we're going to have a track uh, from a rare title, and this is uh, a pick of yours. Yeah, Tell us about man. this pick. Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, 1998, a few, few years after uh, Super Mario, but... I would say arguably somewhat better than Super Mario. Better than Mario 64. Yes. Is that a contentious thing to say? Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's sort of this a little a, bit sheepish about this. this <laughs> yeah, because I know like 
I'm a guest, and I don't want you to get no, hate mail. No, I'm but not. this personally for me. <laughs> okay. I love this game, and the music that I've chosen is from a level called Clangus Cavern. Yes. Which is from the Third World, and this is a really—it's a weird level. Banjo Kazooie is quite a nice, free kind of happy platform. But yeah, there's Grunty the Witch. Yeah, she's gonna <laughs> she's gonna come in, steal your jiggies. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But this one is it's just kind of quite dark. I mean, hmm. this entire level is about this giant mech shark called Clanker oh. that's in the middle of this cavern. And Bajo and Kazooie has to help them. Has to help the shark. Giant the, shark. The, the you, mech know, shark. you know what he's used for? What's what's Clanker used for? Garbage disposal. Oh, come on. Well what, what kind of life's that? So for a it, mech shark. It's just mech shark rights, man. We just need we need to talk about them more. We need to work on this. Oh yeah, but the thing that like really stands out on me about this music and this level is compared to everything else. I mean, the first area in the game, you are fighting giant onions that bounce around with eyes. Nothing even vaguely unnerving about that. No, that, giant, that's giant onions. I have lots of dreams, and that's a very pleasant dream to me. Oh, okay, is that- I love an onion bouncing around in my head, but. This this level has a giant metal shark with pointy teeth. Okay. He's quite nice. He's a good lad. Friendly enough. But you go inside of him, he's just he's full of giant spinning blades. Ah, hazards. Hazards everywhere. And it's like I think the music really does represent like this downtrodden, dirty, dank environment. Okay. It's a lot darker than the rest of the game is. Like even though like you know, there's there's little bits with Grun, uh, Gruntilda and all that, but yeah. it's I love this track. It's grungy. It's it it's also really nice. Well, let's have it then. Let's see. Let's see what all the fuss is about. We're going to listen to this uh, Clanker's Cavern, and it's composed by Grant Kirkup. Thank you. 
just heard Clanker's Cavern from Banjo-Kazooie on the N64. And I think I see what you mean. It's, uh, it does have a somewhat sinister undertone to it. Yeah. It is um, a little bit, uh, ooh, something something a bit ugly is going on here. Like, I don't really know how to describe it. It's it's like umper music, which is mm. inherently dark. Like, that is some sin- sinister music. And you've got, you've got a bit of xylophone on top. It's a bit playful as well, right? And, and Grant Kirkhove's just absolutely amazing. Um, he's one of the good guys. Yeah, absolutely. And VGM stuff. I think, I think he's the star of this uh, edition of the podcast, really, because we've got quite a few mm, he's coming back from him. He's yeah, coming back, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's, he's one of my favourite game composers of all time. Oh, great. Uh, Perfect Dark, um, Fever Pinata, just exceptional music. And I can't mm. wait to see what's in ukulele which will ho- hopefully release next year good oh, that's, that's, that's cool. so and that's a that's like an independent game right? the, yeah it was uh, it was crowdsourced uh, kickstarted ah, okay. and uh, i think it's coming to the next gen console well next gen i think it's coming to uh playstation 4 xbox right. just i'm really glad that he's still doing his stuff yeah me too me too it's good it's good to see him trucking on like absolutely yeah all right let's, shall we keep moving oh keep moving always let's keep moving i've got a pick um Lord Runner 3D from 99, which is possibly the latest. Very late. Yeah, it's and the latest game of the podcast, I think. So. I think this is the craziest one on this list. <laughs> I mean, who's yep. who's expecting Lord Runner? Well, like, hands up. Who's expecting Lord Runner? No one has the hand up. I can't no. see any hands. No, I mean, do you no. know Lord Runner much at all? Like the earlier ones. I played. I played the original Lord Runner. Okay. Like. This music brings nothing back to me, really. <laughs> right. Um, I, I think I played Load Runner on the Game Boy. Yeah, there was Hyper Load Runner on the Game yeah. Boy. That's that's a yeah. good version. Um, and there's a good um, PC Engine version as well. Yeah. There's, uh, there's like a battle mode, you know. Yeah. Uh, which is quite a lot of fun. But this is a 3D take on it, so uh, I've quite, been, a, quite a bold move. I've never played this. You purely chose this on the music, though, didn't you? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think it's got a pretty great soundtrack, actually. Which is, you know, it's 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 strange because a lot of these games we've played, like um, you know, all the Mario's, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but yeah, to pick something purely on its music, that's got to be something special. Yeah, it's it's a habit of mine. I must admit, I think it's uh, worthy. Worthy of its place here. Unfortunately, I've got very little to say about this. We're just going to have to see for yeah. ourselves. Let's just hear and reflect on the music, shall we? Absolutely. Let's get into this. This is uh, On the Moon. So, hey, back into space, right? Yeah. On the m- <laughs> Space, race, and water levels. Indeed. On the Moon from Lord Runner 3D, composed by Julian Sewell. <laughs> Thank you. 
was On the Moon from Load Runner 3D on the Nintendo 64, composed by Julian Sewell. And personally, like I'm a I'm a big uh, big believer in the prevailing idea of rhythm as melody. So where ordinarily you might expect uh, a central trope or feature of a piece of music to be the melodic information. I do, I do like to be a little bit of a contrarian and go, nah, the, the most pertinent information is often found in the pieces like Treatment of Time. And that's, it's something that like carries and propels a lot of, uh, a lot of like jungle and early drum and bass music and things like that. And we have these like cut up break beats going on in this particular track and the, uh, and the soft, sometimes quite dissonant soft pads, which just sort of flesh out the uh, the texture and and give it a nice canvas upon which the drums can can paint if you like there you go there's a painting analogy for you <laughs> how about that what do you think of this track i just think it's kind of dark for a puzzle game it is pretty dark i mean we are on the moon uh, it's got to be pretty dark up yeah there. i mean no i know what you mean though it does sound uh like i mean there's a, there's a castlevania theme about it i, I don't know okay like, there's, there's, there's yeah. a little bit going on there yeah, we've gone back to back sinister with this yeah, yeah. I'm scaring our, our listeners. Uh, I really hope not. <laughs> I mean, it's too bad that we missed Halloween, but yeah, that's it. Yeah, mm. yeah. I've got a lot of time for that track, uh, and the rest of the soundtrack is uh, is uh, also also worth a listen. It's uh, it moves around quite a bit. It's not just a one trick pony. So we we also checked around uh, during this break to to see what the game was received like. Mm. It seems mixed, lukewarm. Yeah, would you say? Yeah, yeah. Which is a shame. Yeah, one of the complaints we saw was, uh, uh, well, for a puzzle game to be effective, it has to have a kind of addictive quality to it, yeah, where you want to keep playing it, and from what we gather, this game didn't really have that, so its success as a puzzle game was sort of compromised, but I don't know, maybe to pick it up and just jam on the music and kill yeah, some man. time, it could be a goer. Or, or pick up the original, but we're not here for that. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, well, yeah, yeah. Load Runner on the Game Boy, we can make your own maps and stuff, Yeah. Right? Lord is a cool series. It is. Yeah, I like that game. Yeah. Kind of weird. But, v- very but, weird. But I, I like weird. Yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> All right, we've got another pick from, from your good self. And yeah. And it's another Mr. Kirkup track, another rare track. What yeah. you got? I think, uh, you know, the themes are going on. I didn't really realise this at the time. Kind of another water track. Huh, what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've also, we've kind of picked up like different themes. You've gone with driving or space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've gone with water. Got a water theme right so, here. So this is GoldenEye 007. GoldenEye 007. Much loved game. Incredibly loved. Um, I think if you go back now, clear flaws. Not the best playing game in the world. Mm. And yet it was massively popular as a multiplayer title. Yes, amazing at the time. Um, The tune I've picked is from the very first level, Mm -hmm. um, Dan. Yep, it's a good good Um, piece. This game's really interesting um, as far as difficulty goes. When you get into the game, you can pick different uh, difficulties. And depending on that difficulty, um, it adds different objectives to the game. Oh, okay. Which is super interesting, mm. and I don't think I've ever seen a game that's done this yet. So the difficulty level is mediated by the amount of stuff you have to accomplish rather than how tough the enemies are or I whatever. I think that is that I think that is a uh, a um I think that is an issue okay. to, to deal with, but I also think there's more to do. So once you've you, you've played the game on uh, the lowest level, say easy. Yeah. On normal you've got new things to do within that environment and I think that's extremely cool yeah, it gives it some longevity right? yeah um, also uh, first game in the level not that interesting as far as I'm concerned yeah I've it's, played it it's, it's basically a straight line it's kind of necessary to get used to yeah. the mechanics of it and get um, your, get your aim right and stuff yeah you still gotta look up and down which was difficult in that case <laughs> okay but uh, the issue that I had with this game is um, at one point you have to let a truck go through some um, doors. Oh, I remember that bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether it was a bug or I was a small, stupid child, but <laughs> the idea of pressing A or B to open those doors hadn't occurred to me. Right. So You're just hanging around. I rented this game, because we are talking before, games <laughs> yeah. were expensive back then. That's so, right. Well, still are these days. But I get to that point, press A or B, doesn't work. So hmm. I was either stupid 
and didn't think to press those buttons, but it was bugged. So I had to send it back to Blockbuster the next day and I was very disappointed with it. Mm. I thought it was crap. Man. It took a good six months before I was bored enough to get it again. Got it back. <laughs> and oh my god. It's that's such a good game. Yeah. Um this track, Damn. Damn. D A M. Um, yes. <laughs> no N. No N in that damn. Uh Grant Kirkhope. That's again, it. absolutely amazing. Uh it's an incredibly vibrant track that kind of blends in the w, uh, uh, 007 theme yeah, yeah. with so its right. own um, its own take on it mm-hmm. and it goes from extremely loud and like riff heavy to synthy quite you know stealthy yeah you know you know double agent stuff it's amazing and um, at the end on the high difficulties you had you had a time limit mm-hmm. so We'll hear on this track at least a little bit of it, I guess, where the tempo speeds up it gets quite quicker, a bit. yeah, like Street yeah. Fighter 2 style. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic track. It's it from the moment go, you are blazing off, doing spy stuff, just shooting people in the face, mm-hmm. and there's, there's a it's bit the of perfect sneaking, entrance, bit of action, yeah, a bit, it's, of, it's, bit of waiting and hiding. Absolutely, it's it's just the perfect track to start that game off. Fantastic stuff. Well, let's have it. This is uh, this is Dam from Goldeneye 007.
Damn. Damn. Damn, son. Damn. <laughs> what a track. Damn, yes, indeed. What a, damn, what a track that is. Damn, son. Screams James Bond, uh, but also screams like uh, Rare, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can definitely see. I mean, I think this was um, his first one out the gate, um, solo producing. Okay, okay. Um, so... Yeah, very gritty right from the office as well. That yeah, yeah. <laughs> that uh, that he's metal. He's going classic James Bond. It's all over the place. And there's some very nice uh, bits in there where it gets nice and quiet. Mm, peaks and troughs, and yeah. those little chiming notes poke through at one yeah, point. Yeah. And then, it, uh, like you mentioned, when uh, the uh, the more pressing part of the mission kicks in, the, the yeah. music changes gear accordingly. Yeah, in terms I mean, of you tempo. F- you fight your way on top on top of a dam and. You know, doing what James Bond does, just dives off it. Of course he does. Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you do that? Why not? (laughs) Excellent stuff. So, I imagine this won't be all that much of a surprise that we're featuring this song. Probably not. Not only on here, (laughs) if anyone knows us. It's it's something kind of goofy, kind of mad, but also very much of the time, I would say. Of the time, and and a little bit, like, as you said, a little bit surprising. Like, Hmm. this is incredibly high quality yeah this is an example of some uh studio produced mm. vi- video game music rather than tracker music or chip tune or whatever you want to call it this is a this is a, a, rec- a recorded piece of music in a studio featuring vocals and the lot uh, it's released in 1998 so it's the uh, onset of the popularity in the in the uk at least of uh, uk garage music before the likes of the Artful Dodger kicked yeah. in the door and started making hits and things. Oh, yeah. It's got the beats pretty fantastic and the bass is there. You, you can probably already guess what we're going to be hitting you with. It's, it's <laughs> if, if not, you're in for a big surprise. Mm. So, <laughs> it's a little piece of magic. This song, uh, it samples the breakbeat from... Uh, uh, the Hot Pants bonus beat uh, recorded and uh, released by Bobby Bird and this is the same break beat that was uh, sampled by the Stone Roses in their hit Fool's Gold and also a slowed down version of the break beat was deployed in Frozen by Madonna so you know it's good yeah no it's it, it runs all sorts of things has right? anyone guessed yet as to what this could possibly be so we have some break beat some garage some bass it can only be Buck Bumble. Oh yeah, what a lad. Ubisoft's Buck Bumble. So here we do have uh, one of the couple of uh, third-party games on the N64. So good. It's completely wild. We were just observing some YouTube footage of this game yeah. earlier just to get us in the mood, and and the premise is pretty dark, it's, right? It's World War Two. <laughs> with but for bees, with a bee involved, it's yeah. it's essentially bee movie for. Well, no, but <laughs> it's it's got a bee in it. It has a bee, and this song is absolutely fantastic. This is the main uh, the, this is the main menu theme. This is the main theme. Yeah, it, that's right. It also goes through the the exposition of the game. Mm, tells you the which there's a contrast there. There's this song, and then there's this dark premise of this game. Yeah, it sounds like Chemical Warfare or something. With insects. Yeah, insect warfare too. Yeah, it's it's heavy stuff, and and yet you hear this absolute rinsing tune. It's it's completely crazy. And the craziest thing of all, this game was actually quite well received. People liked this one, huh? People liked Mm. this game. And... If you can't tell by what we're about, uh, you're about to listen to, <laughs> my God, it it's you're in for a treat. You are. Shall we, in. shall we drop it, please? Let's do this. This is the main theme from Book Bumble, released 1998. Composed by Justin Schwavona. What about now? It's time to rock with the bigger debug. Bumble. What about now? It's time to rock with the bigger debug. Bumble. Bump to the bump to the bump to the bass. Bump to the bump to the bumble. Bump to the bump to the bump to the bass. Bump to the bump to the bumble. Bump to the bump to the bump to the bass. Bump to the bump to the bumble. Bump to the bump to the bump to the bass. Bump to the bump to the bumble. Bump to the boot to the boot to the boot boot. Bump to the bass to the bass bass bass. Bump to the boot to the boot to the boot. Bump to the bass. Phenomenal, 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 
stick it in there i kind of feel really bad right now i wouldn't feel bad i think no? it's a beautiful thing yeah it's a rinse and tune so it's good that it's it screams a four by four uk garage and that it, it was kind of the apex of of that sound getting some traction in the club scene here in the uk of course yeah. i was uh like 11 12 years old so yeah. i only really knew it from like listening to the radio and stuff oh you know sneaking into those underground gigs oh yeah man well we don't my parents might be listening oh, you know, God, very incriminating yeah sorry <laughs> no that, that i love that sort of music there were like lots of producers of like uk garage who some of them are still working but stuff like sunship uh, i've mentioned the artful dodger who's kind of a pop crossover yeah. for the garage thing uh, mj cole uh, Groove Chronicles and the LB like there's loads of great producers of this sort of thing and I think as hokey as this Buck Bumble theme is it kind of holds up like it's really charming yeah it's it's charming as hell and also it's it's nothing it's nothing like you would expect from this era absolutely not like, especially a Nintendo a game on a Nintendo machine yeah absolutely it's uh Maybe you'd think, oh, well, Sony PlayStation, they're being a bit edgy. They're Anything have goes there. Yeah, but this is a Nintendo 64 game. Yeah. This is this is not your regular Nintendo title. And you got to kill insects as a bee. The, yeah. they were, they were, it was basically World War II with a bee. Man. It, you, right, okay, here's homework <laughs> for you. Go home, watch the YouTube video of the intro. Yeah. It is insane. It, it's pretty serious stuff. It's, like, it's dark. The actual gameplay, I, I was kind of uh, joking about this earlier. It's like a sort of a, it's like ace combat, but you're controlling a B rather than a plane. It's B then combat. It's B combat. Yeah. But then you, I don't know, maybe you don't think it's nearly as good as ace combat. No, <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fair enough. Yeah. Incidentally, ace combat is on those on those games that have some tunes on those. Oh so yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll uh, do an episode on those at some point. Yeah. Some purely good. ace combat. Like no, no. Ace Combat 3 Electrosphere's got some got some good uh, uh, I don't know like ethereal drum and bass stuff on it yeah um, you know for when you're you know flying a jet yeah yeah it's, it's, all, you, it's all you want to hear isn't it yeah <laughs> fantastic stuff we've just about reached the end of the show although uh, we have another track to go and um, yeah thank you very much for listening and, and yeah thank, thank you. you thank you Michael Thorne for joining no, us no man it's, it's my pleasure absolutely it's 100% nice to have you over we had some pizza yeah uh, I had a few beers <laughs> you stayed sober because you had a bit of a oh yeah bit of a heavy night last night yeah, accidentally yeah accidentally yeah yeah well I, I was a bit hungover I mean so like last time I had a guest on the show I was hungover then as well <laughs> so my listeners there's, a, are, there's a trend going listeners probably think I'll just drink all the time I hadn't been on the drink no like, since I recorded with John no. I needed a rest from <laughs> yeah, and then um, may- maybe it was just the anxiety from the impending yeah, election the- result, and oh boy, 
contending well, with that plus hangover hasn't been pleasant, let me tell you. No, no not, it hasn't. not good at all. So full solidarity with all my friends in the United States who are feeling who are feeling worried about what's going down. Uh, just be kind to each other. Mm. Hold tight. Reach out. Hold tight. So any plugs from your good self? Um, the only thing that I really want to plug is a uh, pre-alpha podcast. Fantastic um, show. I was on it briefly when it was the first inception of it. Um, it's being continued on by Joseph Files and John Isles, who you had here previously. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a gaming podcast. It's absolutely fantastic. It's funny. Yeah, it's It's funny. informative. Um, those two know their stuff. Just get on it. Get listening to it. It's amazing. Pre-alpha podcast. And hopefully, I'll be back on it when I can sort my stuff out. Cool. But for now, this is a special guest type of situation. Yeah, man, this is a real, this is a real privilege to have to have you on board. Thank Michael. you. Thanks I'm for making it out. So, uh, if you'd like to get in touch with me uh, to say hello or to make some comments about this show or any of the other shows I've done, you can do so. You can email me at foreversoundversion at gmail.com. You can uh, like Forever Sound Version in the Facebookian sense of the word. You can uh, get on facebook.com slash foreversoundversion and you can also follow this podcast on Twitter. My handle for this show is FSV Podcast. And I'm fairly active on those channels, so if you want to reach out and and uh, talk VGM with me, I'll do my best to keep up and uh, it'll be really nice to hear from you. Uh, episodes, recent episodes, we've had one on the ZX Spectrum, which my good friend Daz helped me compile a playlist for. Awesome console. Yo, yo, magic one. You've got yours, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 128K one. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Beautiful stuff. Strange games. A lot of hilarious stuff on the Specky. Very British. Yeah, yeah, distinctly, I'd say. Before that, we had the aforementioned John Baldessera over here. Uh... To do an episode on Metal Gear Solid One, which I've played uh, played through since, because I was really inspired by hearing the music again, and I played through it. It's as good as I remember, and it's it, like that music just it, it's it's one and the same with the game. Holy smokes! You, you can listen to that music and be blown away, but that game it's got its faults now, but <laughs> it's still an amazing game. It's it's a achievement, is what it is. Yes, right? absolutely. So uh, check that one out if you like. Uh, we'll have more episodes coming soon so keep an eye out for those we're going to go out with one final N64 game and it's another rare game and another game in which Grant Kirkup was involved in the composition for he as a comp- as a guitarist sorry he yeah. played guitar and trumpet on some tracks yeah. for this game right incredible he was one of the one of the f- I, I believe it was the first thing he did when he joined rare okay um other than, I think it was uh, Donkey Kong 2 on the Game Boy that he... Ah, um, yeah, he was tasked with doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, Grant's all over this, Ray's all over this, and there's a reason for that. Mm, the A-team, <laughs> kicking yeah. again. The principal composer for this game is Robin Beanland, who is a is, is Mr. Rare as well. Uh, the game in question is Killer Instinct Gold. We're going to hear TJ Combo's theme, so he is the, the boxer fighter character and uh this is also another another kind of hokey take on on uh on the electronic dance music of somewhat of the time um i like this one a whole lot though yeah it's 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 cool something kind of uplifting and emphatic to go out on and it's also not very uh killer instinct like no it's it's hard to imagine people getting beaten up to this tune no but uh it happens yeah it it definitely happens no doubt yeah absolutely let's have it then thanks again for listening take care of yourselves And we'll see you next time. See you later.